as kids, my friends and I debated the age-old question, uh, which is the greatest hero? Is it Superman or Batman or Spider-Man or, or Wonder Woman? Uh, along the same lines, we, we debated which is the greatest chocolate bar. So I've got a couple of my favorites here, the, uh, the Kit Kat, fantastic, we have these in Australia, and the Twix. Uh, but there is a surprise contender here. Uh, somebody in my house likes the Charleston Chew. I I've never actually eaten one. Maybe I'll try it later on, who knows. Uh, what's your favorite chocolate bar? Uh, as adults, of course, we are more sophisticated. So now we debate uh, which quarterback is the greatest of all time, uh, which cafe makes the greatest coffee, which city is the greatest to live in, and here in Yonville, which restaurant is the greatest? Uh, we love to debate which is greatest. Uh, what does this have to do with our Bible passage? Well, our Bible passage begins with a question about which of God's commands is the greatest. And Jesus gives the greatest answer. Uh, so stick around and we'll find out what he said in just a moment. think you can possibly uh, overstate the importance of the role of the father in the home. It is the key relationship that drives our society. Finally getting a chance to have kids, I wanted to be what I longed for growing up. I longed for to have that male figure and that father figure to be in the house, whether it was throw a ball with you, whether it was sit down and watch a basketball game, whatever it was, I longed for that. And when I finally was able to have kids, then it's just like, oh no, like, how do I do this, you know? Talk about so many of the changes that we'd like to see in society and so many of the issues that we face in culture. I think a lot of that starts at home and I think a lot of that starts with fathers. He didn't create us to sit back and let other people dictate what happens in our family, and he didn't create us to be watchers. As a father, you have, you have the power to bless or curse your children. I mean, that's bottom line. We obviously have the foundation, we obviously have the guidelines, uh, but that everyday responsibility of making sure that they understand that this is the direction and the path that they need to make sure that they not only try to stay on, but they fight to stay on. Fathers in this day and age, I think people talk a lot about trying to toughen up your kid and oh, just rough some dirt on it. And, and there's an aspect of that that's that can be important, but there's also an aspect where where I just need a hug. Right? As, as, a, as a little boy, as a son, as I just hug me. It's more the little things, the little things that you see your father do, the way that he loves, the way that he cares for others, the way that he sacrifices. Fathers who um, love their children and who are there for them when they can be. Um, while also not being this presence of pressure, uh, of feeling I had to perform for him, but just knowing that he loved me no matter what. Um, that, that's this incredible thing about fathers. I didn't understand God the Father. I didn't understand that relationship dynamic until I, I saw my own child and I'm like, there's literally nothing that you could ever do that, I would, that would make me not want to love you. So however ill-equipped we feel to do it, I think is very similar to however ill-equipped we may feel 
and following Jesus and not being perfect because like that's right in the moment where I think he goes, yeah, exactly. Now you come like you come to me because you are ill-equipped in and of yourselves. Well, good morning and welcome to Yonville Community Church. Let me start by saying happy Father's Day to all the dads amongst us. Uh, we appreciate you. Uh, my name is Dan Bidwell, Senior Pastor here. Uh, it's so great to have you with us today as we take time to rest from our usual weekday busyness and to make time for God. And so pray that our time today will help you to draw near to God as we worship Him, as we hear Him speak from the Bible, and as we pour out our hearts in prayer. Uh, as always, if you are new with us today, um, a special welcome to you. Uh, we are really excited about what God is doing in this little church. Uh, we're excited to have you along with us on the journey. Uh, we'd love to know that you watched or listened today, uh, what you thought, uh, how we can join you on the journey of faith. The best way to do that is to fill out a Connect card at our website, yontvillechurch.org. Uh, if you're local, I'd love to catch up with you. I'd love to hear your story in person, so make sure you get in touch. If you have been with us for a while, you will know that we are right at the end of our building project, uh, which will see our historic chapel uh, from 1876 given a new lease of life. Uh, and so we're looking forward to moving back into the building very soon. And we'll let you know the exact dates as soon as we're able to. Uh, in the meantime, though, you can catch us each week right here on the internet, uh, on our website, on YouTube, and on your favorite podcast platforms. Uh, and if you've got children in your life, make sure you check out Yonville Kids Church online. Uh, our kids minister, Charlotte, does an amazing job of sharing Jesus with the littlest ones in our church family. Uh, they're starting a new series today, so please uh, watch yourself and share those videos with your family and friends. Uh, but I think that's enough news for today. It is time to turn our attention to the Bible. So why don't we pray that God would speak to us now as we open His Word. Our Heavenly Father, as we read Your Word today, help us to hear Your greatest commandment to us. Help us to hear and listen and take it to heart so that we love You more and more every day. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Which is the greatest? That's the question that a Jewish teacher of the law asks Jesus in today's passage from Mark chapter 12. Uh, out of all the commandments in the Bible, he asks, which commandment is the most important? Which one is the greatest? Mark 12, 28 starts like this. One of the teachers of the law came and heard them debating. That is, he heard Jesus and some religious leaders debating about the resurrection and what that means for marriage. Uh, noticing that Jesus had given them a good answer, he asked him, of all the commandments, which is the most important? Well, the Jewish teachers of the law loved a debate. They loved an argument. They were experts in the Old Testament part of the Bible. And so I actually wonder if they had this debate often, which is the greatest commandment, which is the most important commandment? And it was an important question because there are 613 commandments in the Old Testament. Uh, there are 248 things that you're supposed to do, 365 things you are not supposed to do. Um, that is a lot of commandments, a lot of things you should be doing and shouldn't be doing. And so this question, it goes straight to the heart of what it means to be Jewish and what it means to follow God. How do you sum up the law of God in a single Bible verse? Uh, I wonder how you would sum it up. Um, I've wondered what I would say if I was put on the spot like that as well. Well, the answer for Jesus 
is easy. Reading from verse 29, he says this. The most important one, answered Jesus, is this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. The second is this. Love your neighbor as yourself. There's no greater commandment than these. Mark 12, 29 to 31. Jesus sums up the greatest commandment as this. Love the Lord your God and love your neighbor as yourself. And by the way, did you notice Jesus picks two commandments, not one? Uh, we'll forgive him for that. We're, uh, we're going to focus on the first one this week, loving God. And then we'll look at loving our neighbor next week. So love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind and with all your strength. Uh, first things first, where did Jesus get this verse from? Well, it comes from Deuteronomy chapter 6. And for Jewish people, this is one of the most important scriptures in the, in the entire Bible. Deuteronomy 6, 4-9, it's known as the Shema, uh, which is the word in Hebrew for hear, uh, because the passage begins, Hear, O Israel. And the Shema, it's recited twice daily by devout Jews, uh, in the morning and in their evening prayers. It's traditional for Jews to say the Shema as their last words and for parents to teach their children to say the Shema before they go to sleep at night. Uh, It was super important to Jewish people. And this is the passage that Jesus shares as his number one greatest commandment. Here it is from Deuteronomy. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all of your soul, with all your strength. And these commandments that I give you today are to be upon your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road and when you lie down and when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. Deuteronomy 6 verses 4 to 9. The first thing I want to say is, how great is it that Jesus uses the central Jewish scripture when he's talking to Jewish teachers of the law. Jesus could have chosen a different commandment. Uh, He could have given a new commandment. Uh, He could have declared that the entire Old Testament was obsolete, but he doesn't do that. By choosing this familiar, this daily recited scripture, Jesus is saying that the Jews are correct. God is one. Uh, The God of the Old Testament is the same as the God of the New Testament. You can't play off Yahweh versus Jesus the same as you can't play off the Old Testament scriptures against the New Testament. No, it's all, it's all one big story going in the same direction. You know, I wonder for some of us if we don't spend much time looking into the Old Testament in our quiet times or in our devotionals because we don't see the relevance. You know, if we quietly think that the, the New Testament makes the Old Testament irrelevant or obsolete or unprofitable, can I say take Jesus' as an example and Persevere with it. There's so much in there. Uh, Well, I read Ezra and Nehemiah in my Bible reading over the last couple of weeks. And at times I thought, just just give me some Paul. (laughs) But right there on the page was this story of God's faithfulness to his unfaithful people. A story of God forgiving his people's sins. uh, Bringing them out of danger and bringing them back into the promised land. And treating them better than their sins deserved. That's a story of prayer and depending on God and heartfelt repentance. The Old Testament is full of riches for us. Take it from Jesus. It is well worth drinking in God's words from the beginning all the way through to the end. 
So that's the first idea. Jesus teaches us to read the Old Testament as part of understanding God's character and God's commands and God's priorities for his chosen people. Don't neglect the Old Testament. The second idea, though, is this. This command that Jesus chooses, it's a scary commandment. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. It's the word all that makes it scary. God wants us to love him with all of our heart, soul and strength. Uh, We think of our hearts as the place where emotions come from, a love and affection. Uh, But for Jews, the heart was a source of understanding and reason and decision-making and conscience. And so to love God with all your heart meant to make the decision to love him daily, to love God daily. And I suppose that's why they reminded themselves uh, of this truth in the morning and the evening. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul. Uh, Your soul is your essence. That is your being, your whole self as a person. So we are to love the Lord with all our being and and all of our self and everything that we are. And the same goes for our strength. Every ounce of our energy is to be poured into loving God. Uh, In one of the Aramaic translations at the time, strength is rendered as wealth. Uh, So love the Lord your God with all your wealth and everything you have. This actually reminds me a lot of the promise that we make in marriage. With all that I am and all that I have, I honour you. Jesus says that every part of our life is to be given to loving the Lord our God, all of our heart, all of our strength, all of our mind and all of our soul. How are you doing that? How are you doing with that? What does it even mean to love God with everything that you have? So let's change tack for a moment. Uh, Illustrate this uh, with a bit of uh, something that I saw on the internet. Uh, It was a meme. It made me laugh. It's pretty true. Uh, It goes like this. An atheist, a vegan, and a CrossFitter walk into a bar. Um, CrossFit is a gym class, if you didn't know. So an atheist, a vegan, and a CrossFitter walk into a bar. How did I know? Well, uh, I know because they told everybody within two minutes. Uh, Did you ever notice that when people have something really important, something that's really important to them, they can't stop talking about it. Somehow, within two minutes, they've gotten onto the topic of whatever is most important to them. So what does it look like to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind and strength? Well, perhaps it looks like the CrossFitter who just has to tell everybody about this gym program that has changed their life. It's become such a major part of their life. Just like the vegan who literally eats and breathes veganism because it makes a difference to every bite of food that they put into their mouth. Or the atheist who's so certain of their convictions that they need to let everybody know. Uh, what makes plain and obvious sense to them. Well, maybe that's what it should look like to be a Christian who loves the Lord with every fibre of your being. Uh, Your faith is abundantly clear to everyone around you. Well, hopefully not in an annoying way, but in the way that it just overflows into every part of your life. It's, It's who you are. It's what you talk about. It's your essence. And so as we imagine the sort of church that we want to be, Wouldn't it be wonderful to be a church that loves the Lord with all our heart and soul and mind and strength so much that our delight in him bubbles over into every aspect of our lives together uh, and in the world? Could you imagine the impact that that church could have uh, in Yonville uh, and in the Napa Valley and and beyond? 
in our families, in our schools, in our workplaces, people known for our love for Jesus. A love which changes the way that we use our time and our money and our homes and our prayers and our speech. It would be great, wouldn't it? So again, I ask, how is your delight in God? How is your love for the Lord our God? I said before that the word all is the scariest word in this passage. Loving God with all of our being seems impossible. But it's the standard that God demanded back then, and it's the standard that Jesus demands of us now, because it's the standard that God demands of himself. A God is love. And in Jesus, he's shown us what true love looks like, a love that spares no expense, it makes no compromise, Love that is willing to die for the sake of the other. Love that is cross-shaped. And it's by looking at Jesus that we learn to love as Christians. And not grudgingly or out of duty, but because he first loved us. And with the gift of the Holy Spirit to change our hearts, God is actually making us more like Jesus every day. Making possible what seems impossible. To love God with all our hearts. And so from the inside out, God is changing us. But like a good crossfitter or vegan, the kind of training that we do and the food that we eat also makes a difference. In the Shema, Deuteronomy 6, did you notice the kind of diet and training that God commanded his people to follow? The disciplines that he wanted them to undertake. God said, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul and strength. These commandments that I give you today are to be upon your hearts. Impress them upon your children and talk about them when you sit at home or when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. God asks his people to create daily routines that keep him at the center of our lives to train ourselves to remember him throughout the day, to coach one another like we coach athletes so that our heart and soul and strength are given to the Lord each and every day. Well, what are some of those daily routines? Well, in verse 6, God says that his commandments are to be upon our hearts. Primarily, I think this means seeking God in his word, otherwise known as reading your Bible. And as you read the Bible, taking it to heart means listening and hearing God speak, hearing him challenge and rebuke you, encourage you and exhort you. It it means taking sin to heart and making repentance earnest. It means pouring out your heart in prayer in response to the words that God has spoken to you. It means growing in your faith from year to year, not just becoming stagnant in your middle age or soft in your retirement. It means having a hunger to know and serve the Lord that renews every season of life. When you have a faith that's growing like that, as you take God to heart, people will notice. Husbands, your wives will notice if you start to pick up the Bible daily. Um, Wives, your husbands definitely notice when you make the Bible part of your daily routine. Uh, Young mums, I know it's hard to find time for the uh, the Bible when there's babies and toddlers and small children around, but, but keep trying. It matters to your children that your faith is growing. And dads, What better gift could there be on Father's Day than hearing your kids say, my dad taught us to love the Lord. Because God wants us to share our faith with our children 
to impress upon them, to impress upon them what we're being taught, uh, to talk to them about Jesus at home and on the road and at bedtime and at breakfast. And it's the same in families and friendship groups and, and with your Bible study group and at barbecues. We're to talk about what God is teaching us when you sit at home, when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. When you get up, what's the first thing you do in the morning? Uh, a couple of years ago, the team at Desiring God did a survey about Christians and their spiritual disciplines. Um, Desiring God, by the way, is the website for John, Bi- John Piper's Bible teaching ministry. And uh, they took a survey of 8,000 Christians who subscribed to the, the website. So these are switched on Christians, right? They discovered that on average, 73% of them check their email and social media before they do their spiritual disciplines in the morning. Uh, Now, the survey was skewed towards people under 65, but the numbers are stark. The article accompanying the research says this. It says, we are quick to Facebook and slow to God. Our mobile phones and iPads might have changed the world, but they might be destroying our souls at the same time. It's so easy to be distracted, isn't it? So come back to the greatest commandment from Deuteronomy 6 because God teaches us to build daily rhythms that bring him back into our focus. And perhaps that's making your devotional the first thing that you do every morning. It's something that I try to do every day. I make coffee and then I read my Bible. Um, Now, I do actually read my Bible on my phone. Uh, I've really enjoyed the YouVersion app for a number of years now. I like that you can set an alarm to remind you to read the Bible. I like that the app lets you choose from lots of Bible reading plans. Uh, this year, I'm reading the Bible in a Year with Nikki Gumbel. I'm finding it very thought-provoking. Uh, every morning as I read Gumbel's commentary and then some of the Old Testament, some New Testament, and uh, part of the Psalms or Proverbs. Well, maybe that would work for you. Uh, I like that version has some accountability tools built into it as well. Uh, they remind you if you've done your reading for the day, and it tells you how many days in a row that you've read the Bible. Um, That works for me too. But that's not the only way to read the Bible. There's lots of ways to read the Bible and lots of ways to start a spiritual discipline. The biggest thing is just to get started and then to keep going. Uh, If you'd like help with that, uh, please get in contact via the Connect card and we'll share the resources that we've found helpful uh, on that topic. Or of course, you could ask someone else from church how they keep God in their daily life. Because this is how we keep the God, this is how we keep God at the center of our communal life, our our church life. We encourage one another in faith. We help one another. We pray for one another. And we spur one another on to love and good deeds. So um, this week, uh, why don't you make a plan to keep the greatest commandment? Uh, How will you do it? Uh, What will you do tomorrow to keep that? What, What will you do the day after and the day after that? Because it's easy to get distracted. And so I want to finish with a story, a parable from the philosopher Soren Kierkegaard. It's a parable about a town where only ducks live. On Sundays, all the ducks would waddle off to church to hear the duck preacher. On this particular Sunday, the duck preacher spoke eloquently of how God had given the ducks wings with which to fly. With these wings, there was nowhere the ducks could not go, and there was no God-given task the ducks could not accomplish. With these wings, they could soar into the presence of God himself. And the whole duck congregation quacked, Amen. 
and at the conclusion of the service, the ducks left commenting on what a wonderful message they had heard and they waddled back home. Brothers and sisters, let's not waddle back home. Let's be a church that soars into the presence of God himself as we love the Lord our God with all of our heart, all of our soul, all of our mind and all of our strength. Will you pray with me? Father, we thank you for your goodness to us. Uh, we confess that it is all too easy to, to take our focus off you, uh, to be distracted by worldly things. Father, this week, help us to put you back into the limelight. Help us put you back on the, back on the pedestal. Help us to put you back at the center of our lives. Father, help us to love you with all of our heart, the decision every day to come back to you. With, with all of our minds, give us intellects to understand you and adore you and love you. Uh, with all of our soul, our essence, our being, with all of our strength. Father, let us use everything we have to love you this week. And Father, may uh, the way that you change us by the Holy Spirit, may that make an impact here in Yonville and the Napa Valley and beyond as we live for Christ, as we live for you in a dark world. We pray this, that Jesus would be glorified uh, through what we do and through the way that people see you in us. We just pray all of these things in Jesus' mighty name. Amen.